Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and myself continue our discussion on the Lord's Supper, looking at another Old Testament passage and its allusion to the Lord's Supper. Welcome to Being Lutheran. I'm Pastor Brett Bow, and I have my buddies here. Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Brian Ricky. Awesome. Yes, we are continuing to walk through the Old Testament and talking about the Lord's Supper. Yep, allusions to the Lord's Supper from the Old Testament. It's It'll be really fun today. We're picking a really obscure passage of Scripture. Not a lot of people have Never heard, heard it. Never heard of it. This is yeah. going to open some eyes, I think, really oh, open up a section of Scripture. It's, this is an oldie but a goodie. Yes. <laughs> Psalm 23. We, yes. when, when, when we talked in our pre-production meetings about uh, the passages we're going to utilize to study, remember maintaining that uh, the podcast is an exegetical-oriented yeah. podcast. Uh, uh, when Psalm 23 was brought up, how do you skip over Psalm 23 ever? If you give an opportunity to study that psalm, let's do, do it. it. Yeah. It's a yeah. beautiful, beautiful thing. And it feels like we have talked about it already. I think it's way back. Right. Yeah. In the which, way back machine. Which doesn't mean you can't do it again. No, and we alluded to it the last episode, so uh, the previous episode. Yeah, way to yeah. be. There you go. Job. Right. No, I, and I feel this way sometimes about preaching the same text. Yeah. Like, well, I preached that five years ago. Well, of course, people remember it perfectly. Yeah, they, right? they remember it perfectly, the, yeah. The, the best thing is every once in a while, a member of my con- congregation will ask me if I ever recycle sermons. And my answer is always the same. I look them in the eye with a little glimmer and I say, well, what do you think? Have I ever recycled a sermon? <laughs> and every good pastor should heap guilt on their members like that over right. and Isn't over. That deflection? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, but it, it, it kind of helps keep it in perspective. I might remember my sermons because of the hours of work we put in on them. Yeah. And, and right. you know, we're preaching to ourselves more than we're preaching to the people in the pews. Yep. Amen. But but it's something to be reminded that. Not everyone is hanging on every word we speak when we're teaching and preaching. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so the real answer to that question is... Yes, I have recycled yeah, yeah, sermons. Right. I think all yeah. of us have. Yeah, yeah. Yep, me too. Well, there's yeah. times when it... There, there's a couple passages every year, even if you're on the three-year rotating lectionary, which is what I'm on at Faith, that remain the same. Mm-hmm. And I, I try... To make it my goal, yeah, if I preach right. on a passage, to redo, to the, redo it, yep. re- relook at it, because yep. there's multiple different ways to look at a passage. But sometimes I've come to that passage and I look at the sermon and I wrote, it's like, oh yeah, that's what I would say about it. And so I just kind of tweak it a little bit instead yep. of recycle it. I, um, I do, I have preached, I, I have a funeral sermon that I use quite frequently. Um, and my, I've only preached one wedding sermon, or oh, two, because I did a different one for my sister. But the wedding sermon's the same. So situationally, um, <laughs> so if you ever go to a, <laughs> I, I just blew my cover on. Yeah, that right. One. Uh, no one cares. But though. you That's know, the thing. I found sometimes trying to rework an old sermon is harder than yeah. just starting from starting scratch. from scratch. Yeah. yeah. And I've looked back at a couple of my early sermons and I read them up. What on earth was I thinking when I wrote this? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even want to go back to my sermons in seminary. So, oh, man. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> sorry, teachers. Yeah, and sorry. Fellow students, fellow <laughs> to, classmates. To pastors Haugen and Lee and Moan and 
Who else did we have for Holm, preaching class? Dr. Munseth. And Dr. Yep. Munseth. Munseth yeah. yep. Every one of you has our sincerest apologies yeah, for right. putting up with us. <laughs> yep. Well, regardless of whether we have or haven't had a full episode on Psalm 23, here it goes again. All right. But from the perspective, through the, maybe through the lens of the Lord's Supper. Yeah, it's deja vu so, all over again. Right. So as Jason said to me before, we're going to read all six verses. Just the first six verses. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. sorry. You I blew that you, one. I butchered oh, it. Oh, man. Struck out with a ball on a tee. Oh, <laughs> I usually just read sorry. the last six verses. Yeah. <laughs> you would. Uh, right. Psalm 23 says, of course, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen and amen. amen. Mm. So again... The question that might be popping into our listeners' mind right about now is, how does this connect with communion at all? Right. It really doesn't. We just wanted to do a study on it, yeah. so we just threw it in there. See I, I thought of the, the Weird Owl walk through the valley where I harvest my As grain. As I walk through the valley where I harvest my grain, <laughs> I take a look at my wife and realize oh, she's very plain. Stop. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Now you just killed the whole thing. We got Weird Al fans. They got the whole Amish Paradise song going right. through their heads. Uh, very uh, nice, Bo. Very yes. nice. <laughs> right. Good, oh. good question here. Yeah. Please push pause at this yeah. point. <laughs> Sing Amazing Grace at least two verses. Yeah. Out of it right. Detox your mind yes. Pray from for us. that song and then come back. Pray right. for us. Yeah. Right. Uh. Of course, the whole of Psalm 23 um, doesn't necessarily directly apply, it indirectly does, but probably where we're going to see that connection in ver- is verse 5 and 6. Yes. You prepare right. a table, table before me in the presence of my enemies, right. unite my head with oil, my cup overflows, and then surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, I think yeah. it's worth noting the connection we made with this uh, these two verses to last week's episode is really the same connection we should repeat. That as Mo Fibisheth was unable. <laughs> sorry. Mo Fibisheth? <laughs> say it. It's famous it's rapper. Mo Fibisheth. <laughs> Fine, let's pick on Brian. As Saul's grandson. <laughs> but as, as he, in, in, in uh, a sense, was unable and. Um, and not worthy to come yeah. to the king's table, right. we too. And so this is our our prayer in light of what Christ would do for David and has accomplished for us. Christ has prepared that table, mm-hmm. and he has invited us to eat with him at his table yeah. through his atoning sacrifice, through his salvation and his forgiveness of sin. Yeah, And it, and it starts with the entire context of the psalm in the right. first place. Right. Mm-hmm. This does a really nice job of establishing that we are sheep. You know, and, and sheep, modern day parlance have a negative connotation. You know, if you're a sheep, you just kind of blindly follow whatever someone tells you to do. And that's entirely appropriate. One of the most valuable things I've ever done is I spent three days with a sheep farmer yeah. <laughs> out, out in Arlington, South Dakota. Yes. And um, I, I say this with grace, love, and mercy, but I say it looking in the mirror. The first thing I learned is that sheep are stupid. Oh, sheep are stupid. Oh, my word. I, you know, it, it, it was really eye-opening 
as I began to think about the scriptures where we are likened to sheep. And all we were trying to do is get them, you know, in so we could feed them and then and then shear, shear them. And it was amazing how it, if you were trying to lead sheep, they most of the time didn't want to go. And quite frankly, it had to become their idea yep. in order for them to do it. Now, I'm not saying anything in, as far as a synergistic message of salvation, but it's so interesting that how oftentimes we, we reject and we resist the will of God in our life, you know, until we're like, oh, this is a good idea to do this. And there's got to <laughs> be times where Jesus is like, that's what I've been telling you. Yeah. you know? Right. Yeah. It's, yeah, this, we kind of have this warm, fuzzy oh. connotation that God calling us sheep all the time in scripture is this wonderful term of love and endearment. You know, you have the the sheep that was a member of the house of the guy in the parable that... Like a know, household pet almost. Yeah, the yeah. household pet and things like that. And there's a little bit of that. You know, lambs are cute and fuzzy and adorable, but sheep are dumb. I, I think that's <laughs> part of the uh, purpose of the gospel of Mark, you know, because there is more of the negative aspect of Jesus. Like, why are you yet so dull? Yeah. You know, but that's us. We yeah. are the same mm-hmm. way. Yeah. And even though, you know, that may sound a bit harsh as our Lord and Savior says that, it's the truth. Yeah. It's speaking the truth in love. And the sooner we can embrace that, mm-hmm. you know, I think of the the, Phyro, the Syrophoenician woman. Sorry, I totally butchered that. Um, <laughs> where she made this incredible statement, much like most shib... Mo- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. No, no, you're not. You're going to leave that in there. You're totally going to leave that in there. But it's similar. Okay, her response as as she you know was likened to a dog, but even a house dog is privy to the scraps that fall from the master's table. That sense of humility is amazing, and we should embrace that. And and it's hard because we we live in America and we are entitled to this and but we're not entitled to anything. The only thing we are entitled to is eternal separation from God, and it, we have to be honest about that. And that's where humility comes in. That's where when we read this Psalm twenty three, our hearts would should just soar and and be so grateful oh, mm-hmm. for the. <laughs> For the grace of Christ, recognizing our unworthiness, our inability to come to the king's table, but yet in Christ's grace and mercy, he invites us to come. Mm -hmm. There was a a Facebook video that made the rounds about two, three years ago of a a shepherd uh, who got repeatedly lambasted by a sheep that blindsided him. It was like four or five times. This guy just gets I actually saved that video. (laughs) And and you really get a sense, you know, seeing stuff like that tongue-in-cheek, but of the obstinacy and the stupidity and the belligerence and the stubbornness that uh, of sheep. And it, it really puts into perspective that the focus of Psalm 23 is not about my value. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not about anything I deserve. It's about the lengths that the yeah, Lord the goes Lord to to care for sheep mm-hmm. that don't even want to be cared for. And, yeah. and that don't even want him necessarily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's All stunning, we like sheep yeah. have gone astray, right. each one to his own way. And the thing that's striking to me in reading this psalm too is just how the sheep meander through all kinds of terrain yeah. and the shepherds with him. You know, the shepherd is leading him to still 
uh, still waters into peaceful pastures, green pastures, green pastures. Yeah. And then uh, later on, they're through a valley and through the, the, valley the shadow, of the shadow, the sh- of valley of yeah. shadow of death. And I think that's we can. I think we can bring that into the the Lord's Supper as well. As you know, when I serve the Lord's Supper at my congregation, I look at the people and I see this person that's going through that. This person is in a joyous time of life right now. This 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 person is. So, so, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just a wide variety of human experience. And I'm reminded of the Lord is my shepherd and he's, he's carrying me. He's walking along this flock and we're feasting on him and his grace. Yep. And the beauty of this passage, Psalm 23, and also as we celebrate Holy Communion, it is an allusion to the marriage supper of the Lamb. It is an allusion to a day where sin will never exist, where hurt, pain, um, natural catastrophes, alienation, uh, being misunderstood, a place where death is no more. Yeah. And that's what it is a foreshadowing too. Yeah. And again, the central point of connection, as in all three of these studies, is the atoning sacrifice of Christ. And it really another connection that we really should sit back and, and kind of appreciate. It's not a direct one, but as it relates to communion and as it relates to Psalm 23, is this human tendency towards theodicy. Mm-hmm. And theodicy, you know, if you're not familiar with the term, is our human need to explain suffering in the light of God's sovereignty, you know. And it usually basically amounts to, well, God has some sort of lesson he wants you to learn as you suffer. That's not the picture of Psalm 23, and that's not the picture of Holy Communion. It's it's not so much that God has a purpose for your suffering. Now, you, there may be a purpose for your suffering. You might be suffering because you're an idiot and make bad decisions, as the Facebook meme says. You know, we mm-hmm. suffer because of consequences of our own sinful behavior. Uh, and it might be suffering that God, indeed, there is a lesson for someone to learn because they are living unrepentantly in, in, in whatever the case might be. But oftentimes we suffer because we live in a sinful world and yeah. we suffer at the hands of others. Right. And to have someone continually look for a purpose puts them in bondage. You know, what if their suffering persists beyond what lesson they thought they were supposed to learn? What if they have a change of attitude and they continue to suffer? What if we pray for healing from that terminal disease and they're not healed? You know, what does that say about, you know, God's will? You you have accusations of divine injustice, that God is capricious, that he's not good. And, and that's the problem of theodicy. And so where, where I always point out, and communion does this excellently to remind us of that, and it works really well here in Psalm 23, it's not so much God's purpose in suffering that we're looking for. That's his hidden will. Mm-hmm. Unless, you know, we're told by scripture expressly what's going on, we don't know what God's hidden will is, mm-hmm. but we always can be confident of his presence in yeah, our suffering. Right. And, and that's the picture, like you said, right. Brett, here in, in the psalm, the Lord, as my shepherd, is with me through the green pastures. Yep. Yep. He's with me beside the still waters. Mm-hmm. He's with me in the valley of the shadow of death. And mm-hmm. he's with me as I eat comfortably and mm-hmm. peaceably in the presence of my enemies. Mm-hmm. I do so because the Lord is with me, there's a picture of Holy Communion. Yeah. That this Pre- is he's Christ pre- with us. He is yeah. present. Yeah, real Say it presence. with me. In, in with, with and under. under. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. But yeah, yeah it's it Lord's Supper, you know, not as a primary function of the Lord's Supper again, yeah. but one of those extra right. benefits, yep. it gets rid of the problem of theodicy because it reminds yeah. us of the presence of God in our lives. I think there's another wonderful com- uh, connection in verse four at the second half of verse four. And um, the idea of God's rod and staff comforting us. So we 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 all 
present a Holy Communion as a form of comfort and preservation of of ex- expressing the victory of Christ Jesus that we are resting in, uh, resting, you know, in that statement that when Christ sets you free, you are free indeed. But also understanding what Paul wrote and reminded us of, don't come to the table in an unworthy manner. And so through Christ's discipline and his guidance, we are comforted. And as we embrace a life of confession and repentance, we too are comforted because the Lord is with us. The Lord is not only pruning us to cause more fruit to come out of our life through our vocation. Hey, I knocked it in there. Yes, yes. Through our our vocation in declaring the excellencies of Jesus Christ, the one who has brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light, but also through his guidance and through his presence. And just, again, re-rooting ourselves in our dependency on Christ that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Nothing, but also the reality that we are free and there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we're reminded that God's law is good and that God's law is for us. You know, yeah. it, it, so often we, we we can even slip in as Christians, slip into this where the law is bad and the gospel is good. Right. No, but it's that law that drives us to repentance. It's that law that reminds us of our unworthiness. It's that law that leads us to know what God's character is and what his will for our lives is that that allows us then to repent, that brings us to repentance so we can receive the healing salve of the gospel. And, and so that rod and that staff can be a, you know, one of those beneficial terms of the law that, mm-hmm. you know, when, when we are hurt and wounded by God's word, it's done for our benefits to keep us in line. It's done to bring us to repentance. You know, and, and the other aspect of that is it also begins to to allow us to see the extravagant nature of his grace. Because as we see our sin more clearly, we see the inexhaustible nature of God's grace in Christ Jesus. Yeah, when we, we're this far into a lesson, maybe we should actually talk about the verse that kind of directly leads to communion. This is great. I love talking about yeah. Psalm 23. Oh, it's a great, yep. it's a great chapter. But prepare a table before me in mm. the presence of my enemies. That's a pretty direct reference. And then, of course, my cup overflows. What a picture of what communion is, though, yep. is that we can dine and receive our spiritual nourishment in a world where yep. we are surrounded by adversaries. And in, in a context where we are constantly under accusation. You know, that Satan, one of the titles he has in scripture is that he is the accuser of the brethren and that he is always accusing us of sin. So he has this double work of enticing us to sin and then accusing us of that sin to destroy our souls. And here we are in the presence of the enemy, the sin, our own sinful flesh, the world and the devil are all scheming to destroy us and and to draw us away from Christ. And in the midst of that, we have a refuge in the church at the Lord's table where we receive the nourishment we need for our souls, the forgiveness Mm -hmm. of our sins. Mm -hmm. Great picture. Oh, it's a wonderful illustration of what's going on. And that's the wonderful proclamation we hear and do this in remembrance of me, Uh, bringing forward the great sacrifice of Christ, taking comfort through confession and repentance, and continuing to look to the Lord who is our great shepherd, who leads us and guides us, who disciplines us and prunes us, who loves us with a love that is really un, in, incomprehensible and inexhaustible i you know the, and oh the cup overflows it's that this is the definition of the abundant life that jesus was talking about yes. in john 10 10 mm-hmm. the abundant life isn't prosperous your best material life. life it's not your best life now and you know jesus said uh, you know i've come that they might have life and have it to the full 
this is what it looks like is that your forgiveness is more than enough. It's God's mercy in your life is never ever going to run out. That, that cup that we drink, that participation in the blood of Christ is never going to be empty. The blood that Jesus shed in your place satisfies the wrath of God. It satisfies the demands of the law. It satisfies God's demands for justice. And it is for you Mm -hmm. so that you stand before God as one approved. You stand before God as one forgiven. You stand before God as his child in no danger that he's going to capriciously change his mind and no danger that that verdict is going to go away because the work of Christ is sufficient. And so verse five is just a tremendous confession of faith in in the satisfactory work of Christ. Mm -hmm. Amen. I think it's fitting then to to read Mm -hmm. from Revelation chapter 19. I'm going to read verses nine through 10. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship, but he said to me, You must not do that, for I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on iTunes. Please join us next week as we continue our discussion on the Lord's Supper, looking at a New Testament passage. God bless you and have a great week.